the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. It's me, Brian, and this is Architect, a conversation with architects and the AV industry. We talk about best practices, new technology and trends, and common hurdles we overcome when helping our end users with their projects. Joining me today is Marlon Zukowski, Regional Director at Ware Malcolm. Hello, Marlon. Hello, Brian. Also joining us is Sam Kennedy, Senior Director of Project Marketing at Crestron. Hello, Sam. Hello, Brian. Great to, uh, thanks for uh, inviting me. No problem. It's exciting. We've been trying to set this up for a long time, uh, <laughs> and I hope it's useful for everybody. I know the three of us have talked in the past, and uh, this should be a fun conversation. So to get things started, I think I'm going to start with a story, right? It always starts best with a story. Um, I know that I have a project that I've been working on since at least October where we're working on a boardroom. And uh, we were brought in at a traditional point for the AV industry. Um, the walls are kind of defined, the space is defined, and we're being asked to meet certain needs of the space. And we're bumping into the walls, literally. And so while we're designing <laughs> tables and, and displays and camera locations um, to give that, that end user experience, you know, they want a good experience in the room, but in this post COVID world, we also have to think about the remote people, right? Because when was the last time you were in a meeting that there wasn't at least one remote participant? I, I think one in the last four years for me. Um, so those are the things that we're struggling with. And there's a lot of conversations about, can we move this wall? Can we reshape the space? And so the conversation I kind of want to have today is, um, how do, how, you know, how can we fix that? How can we make that a little bit better in all of our experiences? Cause it's something I think that is shared, whether you're the architect or the, the technology manufacturer or the integrator, you know, we, we kind of have uh have trouble with that defining the space and the use case all at the same time chicken before the egg concept we are um, designing spaces for clients all the time and even before covid and the and the highly um, increased use of video technology we always try to get the understanding of the technology needs of a space before we even start doing a space plan. So we're kicking off a new project and we're, we're in the very beginning stages, which is the programming stages, when oftentimes that's really a headcount um, and adjacency um, conversation. How many people, workstations, private offices. But when I said to my client, we need to understand what your AV needs are. And he's like, now? I said, yes, now, and because um, the AV needs impact the room sizes and the room shapes, exactly what you just described earlier. We're trying to avoid that. Um, we don't want to have to move walls or even electrical outlets for that, for that matter. So once we understand what the technology needs are, then we really design the room around it so that there, we try to avoid the, you know, the back of the room syndrome. So no one's in the back of the room where they can't see or hear. 
um, and really try to get started early in the process. Well, and that has a huge impact on things like screen size and screen placement, right? Because the screen size, there's there's different formulas that we have so that we make sure that people at the back of the room, which are generally speaking, you know, the, per the, the person at the furthest seat from the table or at the table is one of the higher people at the meeting, right? For some reason, we put them really far away. They tend to be older um, people and with the, you know, so their eyesight isn't great. And then we put this small display 30 feet away from them and expect them to be able to read what's going on. Although I don't think anybody can read at that distance. So, you know, like Marlon was saying, you know, ceiling height is one that we run into a lot where even the space may be right, but the ceiling height is restricting screen size. And then it, then it's a, uh, you know, it's a shuffle of how do we work a more displays into the design? Well, there's so many things that impact the AV lighting, for instance. So, um, it's all interrelated, especially when I'm, you know, designing a, a space like a boardroom that you said, where everything is important, you know, sounds important, important, lighting is important, um, screen signs, all of that's so important and it's all integrated. So again, we like to get started early in the process, understanding what the needs are. Um, room scheduling has been such an important uh, component too, um, because <laughs> we're in Zooms all day or Teams meetings all day. So having, you know, that technology available to all the team members, you know, those rooms get scheduled really early. And so it's all interrelated. Well, and I was kind of joking with a client the other day about, you know, if we had our perfect world, the boardroom would be kind of like a square room with no windows, you know, because then we have complete control over everything. But historically, the boardroom is you know, a centerpiece, a showcase, right? So you want that beautiful view. So you have all these windows, which is natural light and also limits, you know, if you have, so if you have a wall of windows, you can't put a display generally on that wall or, or, you know, cameras or other technology get shuffled around because of the desire for a view. Are you finding people are like, well, let's maybe do a lobby with the beautiful view, but the boardroom is more meeting centric or, yeah, I think that there's so much tied into the boardroom and and the idea of the boardroom and and the uh, impressive nature that clients want to have that you know that that they're a solid company. Uh, I don't think I'm successful. I haven't been successful in talking client out of moving a boardroom off the perimeter. So, but we we have been successful in telling them to have a technology center that maybe isn't the boardroom for some of those more important meetings where there is technology. So the boardroom can have technology in it, but it's not gonna be the highly utilized day in day out technology space. Um, so we are providing other ancillary rooms to do those more you know, video intensive um, needs. Well, and that's one of the struggles that we have with the space that I've been working on, right? Uh, when the board is there, there are 30 people sitting at the table, plus you have support staff, right? But day to day, 95% of the time, there's 10 people at the table. And, and you don't want to dial into a meeting and have everybody sitting at the far end of the table. Yeah. And you know, 20 empty seats. I mean, that for someone that's remote joining remotely, that would just be very off-putting. Yeah, exactly. 
So there were, we're, when we're designing conference rooms, um, we really try to provide a variety. So if it's only going to be a two-person meeting, design a space that's meant for two people. If it's going to be a six-person meeting, design a space that's going to be meant for six people. There's nothing more awkward than going into a 20-person conference room, like you said, and having four people. Where do you sit? One end, the other, the middle? Like It's such an awkward um, you know, transaction. So don't go into that boardroom for 20 people if there's only going to be four people reserve the four-person conference room where your technology is going to be appropriate and everything's going to be sized for that activity well and i think it's awkward for people in the space and for the remote people too yeah you know unless you have one of those fancy cameras that zoom in on your face right <laughs> um, Sam, i'm sure there's, there's a, a lot out there oh, that, that can help tongue. with those things <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, there's a, I, I could maybe, first of all, I love the conversation because I, I think it's just so long overdue that technology and the architects and the furniture manufacturers are all working together because I think we're all ultimately trying to solve the same problem. And so I love, I love it. I, I also think about, uh, um, uh, yeah, I've been, I, I've been pretty passionate about this topic for a long time and, uh, I, I've, gone to Neocon uh, probably, I think, five years. And the fact that Neocon and Infocom are the same week, traditionally it was this year in 2023, I just think that there's just something out in the ether that's just trying to drive our two industries to work closer together. But because I think of some of the trends uh, that, that we're seeing on the technology side, um, first, I'd say, uh, while I know we're talking about the boardroom, I think the, the, this topic is well beyond just the largest, most important room. I think it, a lot of these discussions go well beyond just those high-end rooms. But uh, on the technology side, one of the big trends that we're seeing is this drive towards more equitable experiences in that everybody during COVID, I think that's what really drove this, that everybody was a box in your Teams call or a Zoom call of this headshot. And then as I go to the office, I still have those hybrid people who are working at home or, or remotely, and I, they, you know, they have their box, that's their headshot. But everybody that's in the office, I now see that low, long bowling alley table where I can't really make people out. And so there's this real drive in the industry towards this equitable, of ex, equitable experience so that everybody is on the same playing field. So so things that we're seeing, tr trends we're seeing is absolutely uh, multiple cameras in the room that automatically, that, that are AI driven so that I get that nice headshot of the active speaker or multiple people in the room. Um, and again, they, uh, uh, Zoom is uh, just recently launched something called Intelligent Director where they can send multiple images into the screen with multiple cameras. Um, so I think that the, the trends are really around driving uh, ultimately that, that equitable experience for everyone so that we're all feeling equalized and that would remove some of the seats that are empty that, that I think ultimately drives that experience that I think we're all looking for to make it feel like we're all in the same room. And I think uh, the, one of the other things that shifted was, you know, we always had a, a, a term that was like, you were looking for a place at the table, right? You wanted a seat at the table. And I think in many ways now, uh, it's better to be a remote participant than be that one of many shot that we're trying to yeah. fix in the room. Because like Sam just said, I've got my box, right? So when I talk, the blue line goes around my box or the green line and everybody knows that I'm talking. Um, or I can choose to turn my camera off and be, you know, incognito, so to speak. And I, I know that when I talk with a lot of um, architects and also a lot of end users, I say, you know, we, we've kind of ruined that 
earlier video conferencing experience of get to the meeting early, sit up front because the camera can't see you, right? <laughs> and, and now we have cameras that not only are they 180 degrees, but they can actually find whomever's talking and put them on camera. And so it's really changed that, that meeting, you know, where do you sit? How do you find the right spot? How do you make sure that you're seen and heard when you want to be, but how do you blend into the, it's harder to blend into the background if you don't want to be up front. Exactly, well, Sam, thank you for that. I'm gonna steal that expression now, an equitable experience, because I always say the back of the room syndrome. So uh, equitable experience sounds a lot more professional. So that's a new one I'm gonna start using. Meeting equity <laughs> is one of our industry's terms that we're, we're throwing around, you know, and, and, and it is, it's, it's getting that same experience in the room and not in the room. I mean, we've all As been- As if we weren't on video, right? The technology is just a means to an end, right? It's just right. about, we're just trying to uh, have people communicate and collaborate as if we were all in the same in the same space. And, and you're right, Brian, I think on some level, it's almost better to be a remote participant because I have all the, the tools, I have the experience, I'm not intimidated by the technology. The technology tends to fade away when I'm using my, when I'm sitting at home. And what we needed to be able to do is bring that same level of comfort to the users in when they're in the office, right? So the, the technology can just a means to an end, but it's really about us all feeling comfortable. It's all just, it's about us meeting, right? It shouldn't be about technology. It's about us connecting people. And that's really, I think, why, it, why again, this is such an important topic because I think uh, the architecture firms are trying to, to, to just connect people, the tech, the furniture manufacturers, the technology manufacturers. We're just trying to enable people and do it in this most transparent way. Well, I think something you said, so well, I think sometimes the experience is easier when you're at home because you can control everything, mm. right? And I think controls is a really challenging thing for a lot of my clients. And when we're talking to you know, the AV integrator and the technology provider, and they say, we just wanna make sure that when we go into the conference room to use this technology, it's user friendly. And they don't want to have to have a list of directions, step right. one, step two. Right. So what are you guys doing to address those kind of needs? Because that's really yep. the thing that my clients talk about probably more than anything. Absolutely love it, right? So I think for us, uh, we, we talk here uh, inside of Crestron in a 10-second room that if it takes you longer than 10 seconds to get yeah. into your meeting and be ready, then we failed, right? It, it should be. Uh, and we also spend a lot of time on on one-touch one touch rooms where the, the end user should have to only click the join button and everything connected. What we've done is we've worked really closely with Microsoft and Zoom and others. And what, what I think they're bringing to the table is that consistent interface. So the interface that the user who walks into the room, they're seeing the Teams user interface, which should be what they use at their desk, or they see the Zoom interface, which they use at their desk. So we're trying, the, the, the real focus should be consistency of experience for the users so that they don't have to learn how to use any of this technology. I click the join button, maybe I click mute on and off. I, again, I, I tend to be one of those guys that can't stop unmute. Yeah, I have to sit there and mute and unmute. But, um, but other than that, they shouldn't have to learn anything else. Now, of course, some, some users are more advanced. They want a lot more, they want a lot more to be able to play around. But um, again, the idea is for most users, it should be consistent. I click my join button. Everything automatically happens, right? It's all automated behind the scenes. And, and that's 
That's what drives adoption is when it's just so simple to use and it's consistent amongst all of my rooms and consistent to what I use at my desktop. The technology just works every single time. I have an equitable experience. That's when you really truly, like that's the goal that I think we're all going for. And on the integrator side, I think a lot of that, it's important to work with the architects, right? Because there's ways that we can, you get that one touch join, but then depending on the, 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 the need of the space, you know, everybody might want to have their own mute button so that their mute, their microphone's muted. Uh, in that one room I was talking about earlier with 30 seats, what we've done is, is when you sit down at the table, you push the mute button. Um, and what it does is it logs somebody into that chair. So that way the control system knows somebody's seated there. And so mm -hmm. then any, any chair that doesn't get checked into, those cameras stay off, right? So, so there's ways to use the technology and even simple things that an occupancy sensor, Absolutely. right? Because you said one touch, we've done some no touch meetings mm -hmm. where you walk into the room and the room has been invited to the meeting and it knows, oh, somebody walked into the room, what's on my calendar? That meeting's on my calendar, let me dial into that room. And the room dials in, it's muted for microphone, but you're already in the meeting before you get to your seat. And, and so there are those simple ways to make that experience a lot easier, but it takes coordination, right? Because well, I think it takes, um, it's a thoughtful design up front uh, in, in those cases, right? Uh, we, we, uh, uh, we manufacture an occupancy sensor. We actually, Microsoft has a certification for occupancy sensors kind of blows my mind that something it, it seems rather trivial that they would do a certification around that but i think you're absolutely right when someone walks into the i think what microsoft's approach is when someone walks into the room that occupancy sensor triggers and something happens right the, maybe the shades go down maybe the lights change to that particular type of meeting or the other side is people that book a room and never show up and then i don't have these assets uh, right. Again, I, have, I don't have a, I don't have infinite amount of rooms. Um, and so letting that scheduling go back to green uh, because it's now because no one showed up. Those, these are the types of things that absolutely as the designers are looking at the rooms and as the integrators are looking at the rooms, you want to look at that whole solution because that's really what's it, there, there's a lot of components to making it easy for the end users. And, and this is exactly why I always try to get professionals like you involved early on because technology is changing so quickly and as you know as the architect there's so many different things that I need to know about on a daily basis you know furniture lighting uh, all the different finishes and the technology and I can't keep up with all of the trends and everything because but I would say everything but technology is easy to keep up with because it <laughs> doesn't change as quickly but the technology is changing so quickly i can't keep up i try to stay educated but i can't stay as up to speed as you guys are so that's why i always encourage all of my clients we need to bring in the integrator as soon as possible um, so that we really have the latest that's available and, and there's and this work. combination of uh, fashion versus function so so we're on the opposite sides of that right so we're you're right the technology our industry on the av and uc side is moving fast than we've ever had before and that's because the scale now is at this whole other level right it was for most uh, for forever it was uh, you know I have I need a handful of rooms that need these capabilities now we're talking to organizations that I need every room right it's not it is the boardroom or it's we call them, uh, the high value spaces where where I'm bringing people in um, those are growing but now it's ev every room and so this this uh, we are the technology is moving very fast but of course 
it's it's this combination of fat. Yeah, as Brian, you said, uh, if it was a square dark room or a square room with no windows, it would be real easy to design all these things. But you know, that's not the reality. And my worst nightmare is when my client says, oh, well, my IT guy is going to help you with the AV. I'm like, well, I'm sure he's really good at his job, but IT is different than AV. So we really need somebody that just knows about the AV stuff. Well, and from the integrator side, we're always when, you know, we, we teach our, in, our, our people that if you hear someone, well, we're working with an architect, your first thing is like, when can we meet them? You know, when, when can we be introduced? Because, you know, we're going to come into that space and we're going to need to have conversations about we need to put 15 cameras in this room. How do you do that and not make it look like you're in a high security prison? You know, because you, you, you still want the room to look, you know, nice and, and have that that feel and, and also feel comfortable. But you don't want the technology always to be front and center. Sometimes, absolutely, you want to walk in and just get hit in your face with, wow, check out the technology in this room. But other times, it needs to be more subtle, but still functional and easy to use, as as we were talking about. Well, believe it or not, there are still in-person meetings where everyone's at the table and there's no video component whatsoever. So in those circumstances, when the video component isn't part of the meeting, it still has to function as, as a a standalone room, it has to look good, it has to do all those things that it used to do before there was such a, you know, overlay. And then even then, <laughs> I, it has to be equitable, right? Everybody needs equal access to the content. Everybody needs eye contact yeah. with everybody within the room. And so I'm I absolutely, again, we, we, we look at it that way and that every meeting, you want to set up every meeting room to be able to bring in remote participants, but not every meeting is going to have remote participants. Right. It needs to be, be functional uh, in both aspects and equitable, right? Equitable still, I still I believe it's still maintained even if everybody's there local. So the, the words we've been using at nauseam are hybrid and flexible, yeah. right? So I, I think they apply to a lot of different circumstances. Absolutely. And I think we've been that way for a long time. I think it's just become to what Sam said earlier, as opposed to having a few spaces in your building, now it's all spaces. You know, it's it's offices, it's cubicles, it's uh, we, we've had like stand up meeting rooms at the end of a hallway where you can walk down there. It's always on and you can talk to a coworker who's maybe in a different department or a different building or a different state. And it's like, hey, I'll meet you in the end of the hallway and you can go there and stand there and just have a, a chat and talk a little bit differently than, you know, sitting at your desk. And, and sometimes that helps the creative process. But um, yeah, I've been hearing yeah, I, cafeterias, right? There, we have one customer, we have a case study on our website uh, around a customer who's been putting some collaboration capabilities in the little, um, in the cafeteria where people would sit because, again, we may be working on a problem um, and then we go to have lunch, we break some bread and all of a sudden that's when the bright ideas hit us and we want to be able to collaborate in those spaces. So yeah, absolutely, we're, we're hearing from customers that they just need to enable all spaces and so the creativity i think for the for the architects for the integrators is that you should absolutely be out there talking to your customers about these uh, different types of use cases because the the desire at the user level is to be able to work anywhere and everywhere yeah and it's interesting because traditionally you know a cafeteria or a lunchroom is only used during peak hours mm -hmm. in the morning and at lunchtime. And so there's those in-between hours that when that's often underutilized space. So we often suggest to our clients, let's put 
technology in that space. So it can be used and can be more functional during the off hours when it's not being used by, you know, the majority of the staff for the original design intent. Again, so that makes it more flexible and multifunctioning um, and clients really understand it because the, unfortunately the technology costs have come down. So um, a lot of times uh, cost was a barrier to adding technology in spaces. And since a lot of it has become more reasonably priced, then we can apply it in a lot more. Um, there's a lot more opportunities to apply it. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that uh, I didn't, I've never really thought about it that way. It's interesting that, that you, you bring that up and that I'm getting now maybe double the use out of that. And especially as when I'm talking to organizations who may be contracting some spaces, but yeah. uh, so I may be under provisioning my office uh, for the amount of users I'm going to have. It tends to, I have all of my users coming while, while nobody's really there on Monday or Friday. I'm just, as an example, everybody's there on Wednesday. And so now I need to enable more spaces that I might not have traditionally needed technology in because now I need to enable them to work in, in, in new spaces. And so I, it's a, it's a, uh, I haven't really thought of it that way, but again, it's a double util, utilization of space. Yep. Yeah. And we've seen trends in, in research showing that to, to Sam's point that, you know, the cube farm space is getting smaller but meeting spaces are increasing and, 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 you know, we're reusing that big cafeteria so that we have small breakout sessions in there. Uh, you know, we're, we're having meetings in stairwells now, you know, with the gathering stairs or the presentation stairs. And, and it really is, if you can have one or two people sit down and work together in that space, what technology, you know, sometimes it's just a desk and cause they're going to stand and lean over somebody's laptop and work together that way. Sometimes you need a little bit bigger monitor or something. So yeah, there, there are, we sometimes get, I know I do like very focused on the, the teams, the zoom calls and stuff like that, but there are still people getting together, standing next to each other and working and we, and technology needs to support those features and those meetings also. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, Sam, in terms of the um, ratio of, of private workspaces versus collaboration spaces, it's really shifted. Um, and we have lots of conversations with our clients post COVID, you know, what's the purpose of the office? And, um, you know, how can we get our people back to the office? And so the things that you can't do at home is, you know, there's, well, you can, but the collaboration. So people want to collaborate. They want to meet with their teams. They want to have that face-to-face -face and ideation. So they want to come into a room and they want to talk and they want to, you know, whiteboard, they want to shared resources. And that can't be replicated because you just can't bounce ideas off somebody as well in person. And, you know, those chance encounters that you that you mentioned, Brian, like that's really important when, you know, you, you're getting that cup of coffee in the morning and you see a colleague and it sparks an idea. And then those those are missed opportunities when everyone's remote. So we have to design spaces to, to support those types of opportunities. Yeah, and I think people will. I, I don't know that people are going to go back in 100 percent. Right. I think that I, I personally think that ship has sailed, but I think people will go in when there's when there's a, a benefit to that. And, and, and some of that is that soft benefit of overhearing two colleagues talking about something on a different project and going, wait, I'm struggling with that, too. Let me go kind of pop into that conversation and see if we can work something out together. Um, but, you, you know, you're, you're not going to get rid of that. It's going to be that two that two uh, those two. I guess uh, opposing workspaces are going to be 
um, around for, for a while. You know, I come home, I can work, I can focus. I don't have those distractions, but sometimes, you know, those distra distractions are also beneficial. So I do want to be in the office. Yeah. We, we talk a lot about earn the commute, uh, as to why I want to be there. Right. I need, and so one of the things that we're seeing is big trends around leveraging technology to bring my employees back. I need to have at least as good of, uh, technology, in the office as I do at home, right? That's one of the drivers to, to, to bring uh, employees back. And so that, I think it's one of the things that we're seeing, and again, why I think this, 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 uh, uh, this meeting from between us makes so much sense is this, this uh, combination of the leveraging the technology, but it fitting into my office space that how do I have more video walls, wayfinding, scheduling, more collaboration spaces, flexible spaces or open spaces, divisible spaces. All of these things seem to be growing i think pre-pandemic it was like huddle room that's the only thing anyone you know, huddle room <laughs> and uh uh you know hot desking was that i think and now it's just uh um it, it, we see a lot more about how do i enable my employees to collaborate better in all spaces and leveraging technology to really drive that is just it just seems ubiquitous awesome i really appreciate it i mean this is i think you know, we've talked about this before, the three of us, and I think you could, we could go on, right? You can get in right into the details about, you know, uh, and, and for me as, a, as an integrator and a designer of spaces, I'm always trying to really pay attention to what the technology looks like in the space, right? It, it's one thing, okay, great, we have a great collaboration space, but nobody's comfortable in here, or, you know, it's messy or it's cluttered, and, you know, and working with the architects and the interior designers to, to give that clean look and feel. And cause that's, you know, I always tell people, no one goes into a space be like, oh boy, I get to use the conferencing the technology. <laughs> you know, they're there to have a meeting and, and our goal is to get out of the way, right? And when we do the job right, we're the window washers. Nobody knows we were there, but when we do it wrong, everybody's like, well, I don't know why we even come to the office. This conference room never works or, you know, I, I can't get my phone to connect or, and, and, you know, those are those things getting in early and having those conversations and really talking to the end users. A lot of times we talk to the purchasing people, the, the head uh, of a department, but it's like, let's go in and how are you guys having meetings? What are your meetings like? What's working in that meeting culture? Because that's the thing that amazes me is how different people, even within the same industry, are with their meeting culture and their meeting pace. Oh, I've got one client where at 59 minutes uh, or 59.50, the meeting hangs up because they want people to end their meeting and get out so that other people can come in and start theirs. And so it is a very hard standard of it stops at 59.50 and the next one dials in at top of the hour and you don't want to be sitting there when it's not your meeting, right? And then I have other people where it's like, well, we're a little bit more <laughs> flexible. And, you know, if we're going to run over, we're going to run over. Hopefully no one has the meeting of the room scheduled after us, right? And you need to be able to pivot for that. But I, I think having these conversations early. I just, I can't help but just say, I think uh, Marlon touched on it earlier, right? Flexibility is just so critical right now because every organization is different and everyone's trying to figure it out. I don't think anyone, even no one obviously has a crystal ball and knows what's going to happen next. So it's, you know, building in as much flexibility to enable your users to, to, to do what makes sense uh, for your organization, for them as a, maybe a working group or as a personal level, a flexibility, I, I think, is 
is such a critical path to success because I think we're all all figuring this culture literally. We're all figuring this out to, to, together, and um, there is no one size fits all. There's not a real nope. true like right answer, um, and flexibility I think is is totally critical to figure out what how, what's going to happen next. How it's all going to go? Well, it makes me really happy when I hear my my integrator say they want it to look nice. Because there's nothing worse when I'm designing a space and then there's a spaghetti of wires or or something like that. And it's like, no, how did this happen? Come on, we've been talking about these things. So I think we also talk about trying to future-proof things and uh, knowing that the technology is going to be constantly changing and, and designing some type of infrastructure that can support um, shifts in, in and growth in the technology side. So I think, you know, that's something that, that it's important to talk about too when, when we're designing a space. Yeah, and, and technology, and I want to get into the weeds on that, but a lot of advancements in technology have made that a lot easier now than it was, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago even, because, you know, like everything else, most of our stuff's connected with a, a network cable and you change what's connected on either end and, oh, it's a whole new system. So <laughs> it, it, it makes for planning and that that word we hate saying future proofing but um but at least making it to where it, you're not having to do a complete swap out you know maybe there's ways to add and and that that's part of those conversations that we have very early on in the process so awesome i i really appreciate the conversation guys like i said i think we could go on with this for a long time and and maybe we'll do it again sometime in person would be wonderful um Marlon, uh, where would someone reach out uh, if they wanted to talk more to you about these topics or other things? Oh, the best way to, place to find me is always on LinkedIn. So Marlon Zukowski, you have my spelling and my name and find me on LinkedIn and I'm pretty active and I'll, and I'll respond right away. Awesome. Sam, for you? Uh, Sam Kennedy on LinkedIn uh, at uh, or uh, I got, of course go to uh, crestron.com uh, and I'll just throw one uh, uh, commercial out there that we do have a, a nice white paper uh, that I would encourage I think it really hits this topic uh, the modern work uh, our modern work report readiness um, so just go search that on in Google on Crestron and you'll uh, I think it be it really hits uh, this topic we're head on so again Sam Kennedy at LinkedIn Awesome. Thank you guys both for showing up and uh, being a part of our show. And uh, I hope to have you guys back again sometime.